One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hello, my name's Stuart Miles and welcome to the Pocket Lint podcast. Being able to find your lost Apple gear has always been one of the greatest little features of the Apple ecosystem. While we wait for the much rumored Apple AirTags to launch that will supposedly allow you to track or find an item, Apple has quietly updated the Find My service to allow other manufacturers the chance for users to find their stuff within the app. What does it mean for Apple users and who's taking advantage of it? Pocket Lint's Britto Boyle is here to tell us more. Meanwhile, I talked to Graham Jones, an internet psychologist, about how we can look to overcome the stress that we all seem to suffer when it comes to watching something on streaming services. And Pocketlin's Cam Bunton has been wearing the new OnePlus watch. Is it any good? Well, keep listening to find out. But first, back to you, Britt. Tell us more about what's happened with Apple's Find My app and the new features we're getting. So they launched... um an item section within the tab, which is what was rumored okay. to come with AirTags. And within that section, you can now add a third party compatible accessory. Unfortunately, there aren't that many at the moment. There's only Okay, I was gonna say, who's involved in, in this so far? Okay, so there's only three at the moment, which is Belkin, um, some wireless earbuds from Belkin, um, a van move uh, e-bikes, a couple of those, and Chiplo, one spot. Um, Okay. which is the only three devices. But I suspect that that will soon expand as they've obviously released the developer kit and everything for it. So so the idea is you buy one of these items, like you go and buy a Van Moof cycle. Yeah. Uh, uh, cycle bike and then... Um, Bike, and then you it just automatically connects to your phone like into the service and then you can track it with with the find my app yeah so you have to you have to add it um you have to basically check the manufacturer's instructions i believe they'll be a little bit different depending on which one um you open the find my app on your device um and then within the bottom four tabs there's now a section that says items which sits alongside the devices and people and then there's a section for you as well isn't there in the corner um but the item section is um what you'll open and then you add new item and then follow the on-screen instructions and then you have to register it to your Apple ID. Once that's done, it will then be registered to your ID and then you'll be able to track it within the map on in within the item section. So it won't go into the devices where your Apple devices are, but it will sit in the item section on an app. Now we've seen previous companies try and do this before, like most famously Tile and I think Samsung have got their Tiles their tile alternative coming out as well why do you think apple are doing it now um i think it's because they're going to launch air tags actually <laughs> okay <laughs> and, and so let's talk about air tags briefly what's what what's that going to do so they've been rumored for a very long time now which is why i think they surely they have to be coming soon no um and they are basically supposed to be a tile alternative that um again like samson have obviously done and a couple of others uh, where you can um, sort of attach that to your Apple ID and then you'll be able to attach that to your keys or whatever else you want to track that might not be a specific phone or um, Apple device and then you'll be able to use the Find My app to find 
those things too. Um, so they've been they've been rumored for a while. They're supposed to be circular, apparently. Um, right. But there's lots and lots of rumors about them. And I suppose the idea is you put them on a keys, your bag, your child, yeah. your yeah. dog. There's um every, all the, all the above. Basically, yeah, anything that like everyday items, I suppose, that you would want to be able to locate if you were to lose them but not necessarily something that you can already track, such as your phone or your watch, which obviously you can already do through Find My, but it'll be something that doesn't have that that you can do. So um, something like like your keys, I suppose that's the most obvious thing that I'd put them on anyway, or my purse, because I typically lose that all the time. So. <laughs> sure, it's hiding, hidden behind the back of the sofa and all the other stuff, yeah. isn't it? <laughs> where the kids have grabbed it and taken it. <laughs> And so, Tile, I mean, Tile's a big, you know, big business already. It's It's got quite a lot of backing, hasn't it? And I wonder whether people will see this as a, a viable alternative or whether you think, you know, and there seems to be people like that kind of buying into the Apple ecosystem. Do you think that Apple will come up with something that is equivalent to or better than? I think, yes. I mean, this is Apple, right? So they typically do come up with things that people obviously find interesting enough to buy even if it's already been done before um so yes I do think that they'll come up with something that's good enough I mean there have been a couple of rumored features whether they'll come or not I'm not sure but one of those is um removable battery waterproofing is one of the other things that's come up in here um so there's like a few things that I think people might be interested in and also if you're already in the Apple ecosystem then having something that just fits slots into that without having to then download another app and hmm. all of that kind of thing. I do, I do think there's something to be said for that because it, it keeps it simple. Still to come, Cam gives us his verdict on the new OnePlus watch. I mean, there's, there's nothing to suggest that they can't fix it from a, from, from a software update because if you think it's it's got all the hardware necessary to do all the things that you want it to do, um, it's just whether they can get those updates out before in time because I'm sure if you've read any of the early reviews from any other publication they've all been pretty negative towards the OnePlus watch and we've had similar experiences so people are going to be reading those and thinking well I should just buy a Fitbit instead because at least I'll get the basics right. Have you ever found yourself wanting to watch something on TV only to still be sat there 30 minutes later still scrolling through row after row of content recommendations not sure what to watch? Yeah I know we've all done it haven't we? Well it turns out we're not alone. With the average Brit spending around 18 minutes each day scrolling to find something to watch. And if that's not bad enough, one in five of us spend almost an hour, yes, an hour to settle on their TV choice, according to a new report from Sky Q. There's even a name for it. It's called decision paralysis. Well, I wanted to find out more, so I recently talked to Graham Jones, an internet psychologist since the late 90s, who's written numerous books over the course of his career on how we use the internet, about why it happens and what we can do to try and stop it. I started asking him what it's actually involved in being an internet psychologist in the first place. Well, what I look at is the way people use the internet and modern technology and try and work out how the technology is affecting their behavior and also how uh, they can adapt their behavior to get the best out of the technology. Okay, so there's this thing I've been reading about recently, and I know Sky are coming out with it, about search stress. And it, to me, it kind of devises from the old-fashioned because I'm not young anymore, of going to the video shop 
in the 80s and standing there for about 45 minutes trying to work out what to watch and then either walking out with something you've seen before or just not bothering at all because the film that you wanted was already taken out. How does such stress affect us today? Well, it's it's causing a lot of stress, actually. And the, the Sky Survey did show that one in four people are ending up in quite a bit of stress that's causing relationship difficulties. So we don't want to be in that kind of stressful situation. And the, the thing you describe of going into those, uh, you know, video stores of years gone by, uh, when you wandered round and round and round and then wandered out and said, OK, well, we won't watch a movie. Let's go to the pub instead kind of thing, uh, because you couldn't choose because of the vast selection that was available to you. And if you imagine that now, could the amount of that's available uh, just you know makes that video shop look like it had nothing in it. Mm, mm. So how do we how do we go about avoiding it? Well, one of the prop one of the problems with um the vast selection is the fact that it just bamboozles our brain and makes us kind of freeze. It's called choice paralysis. Okay. And so what we need to do is to make sure that we limit the choice that we're having. So even though you uh, went into that video store years ago, you were actually quite limited. They probably only stocked something like, you know, three or 4,000 different titles in the store. Mm. Um, Whereas now, of course, you've got several tens of millions available. So the more you can limit it, the better it's going to be. So if you walked into a store in the past, you might have said, all I want to do is go to the section that's got drama in it. And then you ignored all the comedy videos and all the uh, you know, documentary videos and so on. And we need to do the same with online technology. So with all the choices that face us on the television, uh, we need to start limiting rather than spending the entire evening just scrolling round and round and round uh, looking for anything and everything. And so is that kind of is that inherent within our the interfaces that we use, whether it's on Sky or Netflix or Disney or Amazon or what have you, that you kind of they you sometimes think, well, I'm sure they've got to have more titles than this for me to watch, but I can only <laughs> see like the last 15 or whatever. Yeah. So it, the, there's often the kind of uh, reaction that I get from my friends is I spent you know, ages looking at TV. There's nothing on tonight, uh, which of course yeah, is nonsense. Yeah. There is tons on tonight. Um, and it's just a matter of being able to find it. And so it's the, the approach we take to looking for it that that's wrong. And there's no surprise, you know, we haven't had this kind of technology for very long in, in human existence. And so we haven't really adapted to use it in the best way at the moment. So we're faced with a massive array of choices and we end up being stuck as to what to do because we just think there's nothing for us. And so is there a way for the listeners that are enjoying this podcast and this chat so far, is there a way for them to avoid, you know, obviously don't turn on the TV, but, you know, is there a, they're thinking about watching something this evening. How do they go about like making it not as stressful as it perhaps could be? Yeah, not turning on the TV is probably not a good idea because the TV is good for us in, in one sense, in that it relaxes us. It, it enables us to escape from the pressures of work and the day. And so um, it's good that we can relax. So I wouldn't uh, advise not doing anything. Obviously, you can do other things like read a book or whatever, but yeah. I would suggest that you do something to relax. So if watching a movie or watching a TV series is what you want, that's something you should be doing. So what we need to do is limit that choice. So maybe make a decision such as 
what I want to watch tonight is a comedy and then only look for comedies. Don't get tempted to look at anything else. Stick to your goal, stick to your target that you've, you've set yourself. And then that mm. limits your choice. And the more you can do anything to limit your choice, the better. Okay, which is unusual because normally you think, well, I've got access to all of this stuff. Maybe I should need to, you know, not limit the choice. Maybe I need to look at more titles to, to, to bamboozle <laughs> myself with. Yeah, when you limit your choice, you actually see more options. It's strange. Uh, so uh, one experiment of this kind of thing was done in uh, the world of what's known as fast-moving consumer goods, so the kind of stuff you might buy in a supermarket. And when you've got lots of different options for a particular kind of product, you know, whatever it is, tomato ketchup or beer or whatever you're buying, uh, if there's too many options, even from the same brand, we can't see them all. They, they just seem too many for us. But when the brand limits it to three or four options, we can then see it. And that's about the fact that we can hold a small amount in our brain. So the, the fact is that if you limit your options, you see more available to you. So the more you can do anything to limit your choices, the more choices you actually perceive you're going to have when actually what you've done is reduce the amount. I suppose because you're not, as you say, you're not overwhelmed That's it. by it all. And therefore, you yeah. just sort of sit there. When I know when I uh, interview people to work at Pocketland, I always ask them, if you were a product on a supermarket shelf, what would you be and why? And the reason I ask that is because people immediately think of a supermarket. They think of this huge, massive building with loads of products, and then they freeze and they can't, they can't make a decision. So it kind yeah. of helps you work that through. Okay, so stepping slightly away from choosing what to watch, how do you think this is... You know, the internet is obviously as a, as a whole a thing is, is obviously giving us a huge amount of choice. How do you think that's changed our mental health? Because is that just a case of we're getting this choice and decision paralysis on a on an even bigger scale? Um, it, yeah, having lots of choice doesn't help our mental health because it frustrates us, it annoys us, it leads to anxiety, and so anything we can do, whether it's TV watching or whether it is you know using the internet generally. Uh, anything we can do to reduce that choice and give ourselves a smaller selection to choose from is a good thing. So often people may be searching for, uh, you know, the weather or whatever it is that they're they're searching for online, and they're faced with you know twenty seven million options. Mm. Um, and you know, search engines happily tell you how many you could choose from, and people just uh, are faced with not knowing what to select. And so do you think going, you know, that that kind of works why, you know, we only have top 10 choices on, on that thing again, because it's, it's limiting those things. And, and maybe, you know, slightly going back to we're talking about the, the watching TV as, as an afterthought here, do you, the more people you have to watch the show with, does that increase the stress as well? Because I suppose you're trying to f help everybody then. You're trying to please all the people all the time, yeah. and, and you're not always going to do that. And luckily, of course, it's it's possible that if you live in a household where you've got more than one television screen, because obviously, you know, your mobile phone is a television screen because it can, you know, you can watch programs on that. So people can choose to watch on their own these days. And some people will comment that that's a bad thing because you know, the family aren't together. But actually, if you think about it, the family together are not um, doing anything other than watching TV. So what you could do is all watch what you want separately um, and then get together for family time. So you make it more of an event. And so the family time becomes more valuable as opposed to just sitting and grunting and saying the odd thing 
whilst you're watching a TV program, which isn't really productive family time. And how do you think, you know, this will will change? We kind of is it is the answer just to limit those choices to to you know help you make the decision, or do you think there are technologies that are coming along that will kind of turn around and say, actually, this is what you want to watch? Just ignore yeah, the, everything else. The the technology is improving to help us. So uh, already you get recommendations. Uh, from the different services that you might be using, such as Netflix or Amazon Prime. Uh, but you've then got to go to every one of those individually. Hmm. Um, so uh, if, for example, you've got a SkyQ remote, you can press the um, microphone button on it and speak to the remote and say, what should I watch? And it will then bring in all of the recommendations from all those different services into one place. So you know, Netflix, Amazon Prime, Sky itself, BBC, across the whole range of things. So you've got recommendations based on your personal preferences uh, across all the different range of options that are available to you. And then do you think we'll get stressed about what the robot overlords, as some people will like to call them, are then <laughs> suggesting for us to watch? It's like, no, I don't know. I'm really, Do I want to watch that? I'm not sure. Well, the thing is, you see, the, those robot overlords, as you call them, or as artificial intelligence or machine learning, as other people might call it, yeah, yeah. Um, though, those are only as good as the information you give them. And so the information that you give them is you choosing things. And so actually they're not very good or not as good as they could be when all you do is randomly search through hundreds of different things and watch loads of different things. Whereas if actually what you really want is you know, your favorite stuff is police dramas, then the more of that that you you tell the machine, as it were, is what you're interested in, the more it's going to recommend those things to you. So your viewing habits become quite important to the machine. Uh, and so if what you're doing is, as the survey showed, you know, several people are just spending more time in an evening scrolling around and they are actually watching anything. So the machine isn't able to learn as much as it could do from you as if you made that selection in advance and said, you know, I'm interested in police dramas, British comedy and American cartoons kind of thing. And then you will always get recommendations based on your personal preferences. So how do you feel about the sort of rise of uh, these kind of watch party apps that then allow you to, because, you know, you're talking about limiting, you've obviously got lots of people struggle with if you've got if you've got a variety of different kids ages in your house of trying to find something for everybody to watch. And then a lot of companies like from Netflix and from Disney and stuff are then saying, hey, guess what? You can create a watch party and watch it with loads of other households at the same time, which kind of it kind of creates an event sort of evening. But at the same time, you know, you've then got to negotiate with those other households how to what to choose. What they're really doing is turning it into a social event. So if you think about going to the cinema, many people you go to the cinema with groups of other people. So you go out for the cinema, you may have a, a meal before or after the movie, and you make it an event and you talk about the movie you've just watched. Um, and you're probably all talking about it before you go into the cinema looking forward to it. So we love social events. So if we can turn TV watching or movie watching at home into a social event, then that enhances the experience for us and helps reduce the stress. So, uh, yeah, those kind of things are really helpful. 
After years of rumours, stop and start plans and official teases, OnePlus has finally announced its first smartwatch. Unsurprisingly, it's called the OnePlus Watch. The fact that it's an all-round screen device has surprised no one, but perhaps came as an unexpected is the fact that OnePlus opted not to use Google's Wear OS platform. Our very own Cam Bunton has been wearing the watch for the last week or so and is here to tell us how he's getting on. Cam, what's the verdict? Um, the nice way to put it is not <laughs> amazing. <laughs> Let's put it uh, not a nice way then. <laughs> yeah. It's been pretty bad, to be honest. Um, okay, so why? 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 Um, there's a few reasons. I think it's um, they've taken a similar approach to Huawei with with what Huawei Watch did was to sort of strip out some of the nice, pretty functions that you get on maybe an Apple Watch and a Wear OS watch. And so that means you don't get nice interactive notifications. Uh, You don't get payments or third-party apps um, or support for third-party music services. So in terms of like smart features, it's it's pretty basic in its offering. So um, the idea is to make it uh, basically a fitness tracker, which is what Huawei has done really well. They've made a watch it looks like a watch, but it's mostly just a really good fitness tracker. But OnePlus has essentially failed to make a smart smart watch, but also failed to make a reliable fitness tracker. So it's it's just generally not great. So it's it's tried to do one thing, didn't do that. But in doing that, it's kind of cut its it's cut its opportunities off for elsewhere because it didn't even think about things like payments and music and and all the stuff that you kind of expect from a smart watch to have today. Basically, yes. I think and the idea with cutting a lot of those features out um, was to extend the battery life, which is why they didn't go with Wear OS, because Wear OS watches and Apple watches, as I'm sure you know, last maybe a couple of days at most, mm. if, you're luck- if you're lucky. Um, this watch and the similarly the Huawei watches will last roughly two weeks between charges. So it's got the battery life going for it. Now, surely if you've taken all the features out, and it doesn't necessarily work. This is this thing's like fifty quid. It's really cheap, and they'll just go that route. Yeah, I mean, it's it's not expensive. It's a, it's about one hundred and fifty, which is similar to what Huawei does again. Um, but it, it was one of those things where you think if, if they're going to strip out all those smart features, they at least need to make the fitness and the activity tracking reliable and worthwhile. But they haven't done that. And so, what's happening there? Why is that? What what did you find that meant that it hadn't worked on that side of things? So on that on that side of things, there were elements like the GPS being really slow to lock onto a signal or just being generally unreliable when you're out doing a run or a walk. So uh, comparing it to like I've got a Garmin fitness tracker, for instance, that I take on my runs every week. I did a 10K and the OnePlus watch measured about 7.3 kilometers of it. Ooh, that's which, quite harsh. Uh, it is pretty harsh. Um, and then yesterday, took it out with the Huawei watch on the other wrist, went for about three kilometer walk, and it measured nearly two kilometers of that walk. So it just seems to to not track that distance. And even with basic stuff like uh, step counting, it just seems to be a little bit off. So you'll get to the end of a day. Um, it got to the point where I was being really quite finicky about measuring it. So I was counting 100 steps, looking at my watch, and it would measure maybe 90 of those. Um, so by the time you you add all your steps up, by the end of the day, you're going for 10,000 steps. You have to do 11,000 to hit your 10,000 step goal. So it's just Which it's is, little... as someone that's worn a, a as someone that's worn a smartwatch or a fitness band for about the last 10 years, or not that long probably. But I was you know used to wear the Nike Fuel Band and Pebble and stuff. You know that 
if you if you're being shortchanged, then you know that's even more star jumps that you have to do at midnight to get your rings or to get you know to hit the targets or whatever. Well, exactly, and that I mean it's 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 funny, isn't it? It's like the those few steps per 100 don't sound like a lot, but once you add it up over the day, it just it does mm. become quite a few additional steps. It's it's just it hasn't been reliable enough to recommend, really. Now, OnePlus are famous on their phones for sending out a phone and then very quickly doing a number of updates in an attempt to uh, to try and fix some of the problems. We've seen it with our cameras, haven't we? We've seen it with yes. a number of bits of software. Do you think that this is salvageable from a, a software update perspective? I mean, there's nothing to suggest that they can't fix it from a from a software update because if you think it's it's got all the hardware necessary to do all the things that you want it to do, um, it's just whether they can get those updates out bef- in time because I'm sure if you've read any of the early reviews from any other publication, they've all been pretty negative towards the OnePlus Watch and we've had similar experiences. So people are going to be reading those and thinking, well, well I should just buy a Fitbit instead because at least I'll get the basics right. And I suppose that's the thing, isn't it? This is a watch that's entering the market a good five years after everybody else. And it feels from what you're explaining to me that it's it's their first iteration, which is understandable because yeah. it's their first watch. But in a market today that's so competitive and so aggressive in, in sort of what watches offer and what they can do, you can't afford to be five years behind unless no, you've exactly. got something else that's really exciting. Yeah, exactly. And it's it's funny. It's like it's almost like going back to those times, like you say, with the, the fuel band, like seven, eight, nine years ago when the first ones came out and you you experienced some of the sort of low quality GPS signal and the and the slightly inaccurate step counting. But mm. you don't expect it from a watch in 2021 when this technology has been around for such a long time and other companies are already doing it well. And in Huawei's case, doing it at a similar price or even less. So Yeah, I, I remember the TomTom Nike uh, watch where TomTom said, oh, we'll put GPS in because we know what GPS is. And then you'd stand in the run, you'd be like, I want to get going, I want to get going. And like 10 minutes later, it's like, I still want to get going. Oh, I'll just run, it doesn't matter. You, yeah, you just don't exactly. want that, do you? No, and it's, it's exactly that kind of experience where, although even with the runs, when you do the GPS or the walk, it'll tell you it's ready and then you'll go on the walk and then it will still lose signal when you're actually on that run. So, yeah, it's it's, it's not been brilliant. Although, so I mean, yeah, cool. I mean, sleep tracking is okay. Heart rate monitoring is fine. But the, the basics, the other stuff, just it's not hitting the mark, really. And so I suppose the most valuable thing we can tell listeners right now is if they were hoping and pinning their hopes that this was going to be an amazing device and was looking forward to getting one, what should they get instead? So there are two options. I think if you want to go the the classic sort of fitness tracker route, I would say go with a Fitbit. Um, If you want similar features in something that looks like a watch, I would say get the Huawei Watch GT2e, which started off at the same price as this, but I think can be found now for about £100. So it'll do all the things that this does, but better and at the moment cheaper. Well, that's it for this week's show. Until next time, pip pip.